Captain's Log, Stardate 4763.44. On a routine mission to the Borgon Cluster, we received an urgent communique from Starfleet. Apparently, some of the other members of the Federation are complaining about the majority of Starship bridge crew being human. I would personally embrace a more diverse crew, but would they all enjoy spending three hours in hair and makeup every morning? Hello and welcome to Set Podcast is Done. Today we have a not very special Captain's Log episode. Corey, Captain Corey, what are Captain's Logs? Uh, you're saying it's not very special because on our first take you said it was a special Captain's Log and I said don't temper people's expectations that this is going to be amazing. So you went with not so special, so everyone turned it off all of a sudden. Yeah, <laughs> no one's listening now. <laughs> Uh, so like Emily is a side podcast and sometimes we can't get our, our fix talking about Star Trek. Um, so we, we use this, uh, to just talk about anything that pops in our mind about Star Trek, the Star Trek world, culture, uh, technology, whatever occurs to us. It's kind of outside of the normal parameters of an episode. Fun topics, pitches for new series and episodes and stuff. Yeah. It's just a good time. Yeah, for sure. So I thought it might be uh, interesting today to talk about the bridge crew. One of the things that was always kind of interesting to me about TNG was that, uh, like, if you look at the makeup of the bridge crew, one person on that crew uh, is a counselor, Troy. And I was kind of interested to see, like, if you had your own bridge crew or if I had my own bridge crew, like, what, what would you throw into that crew? Like, who would be there? Uh, the reason that Troy is, there's a counselor that sits to the left of the captain is that like Roddenberry thought that in the nineties, that talking about mental health would be not a big deal and that, um, it would be just very proper to have someone who's attached to like, uh, mental health and, and well-being on the bridge. Uh, even though she doesn't really do anything else except like monitor people's behavior. So anyway, like mm-hmm. if you had your own crew, like w- how would you design it? Like you can talk about races, uh, I'm sorry, species uh, of like who would run what station, or you can just talk about what the actual like makeup of the crew would be. Like, would you have a, a tactics officer uh, who's also the security officer, right? Like, ha- how would you kind of run things here? Yes, yeah. So uh, you you came to me with this before. I've got my list of of different people or peoples I would slot into different spots. So I'm excited to uh, talk about this. And going back to Chancellor, Chancellor Troy, Counselor Troy, I think that's a smart idea. I mean, like, I think that's one of the of the very forward thinking, you know, ideas in in Star Trek is to actually talk about mental health and and how these strains kind of wear on people. So that's another, you know, um, Gene Roddenberry. He was in the Air Force, so I think maybe some of that might have come into you know his experiences actually in the military. So yeah, I got my list ready to go. Do you want to start with your stuff or how do we want to do this? No, I have uh, I have some rules that I'm going to okay. give you. Um, and so this is kind of unfair because I'm giving you the rules after the prompt. 
Okay. Uh, so there's some things I don't want to see. There's some foul play that I, I uh, will not tolerate while we generate this bridge crew of ours. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Uh, the first rule is no evil races, uh, uh, like Federation-only races, unless you have a really good reason not to, right? Like if if your, if your security officer is a Nausicaan, like fine. Worf was on the Enterprise, right? Like yeah. that's... And sorry if I just kind of took the wind out of your cells and that's what you decided to do. But um, you better tell me how that Nausicaan got on the ship because this is a Federation ship. My second rule is that you only get one android because the correct answer to what would be the perfect bridge crew is six androids. Whoops, all data. (laughs) But again, if you have like an android that's not data or lore or whatever their little brother was, then you got to tell me like, why that why that thing's there and also no stupid like one-off races like oh well we saw the aurelians in that one episode of tos so like the second in command is like a giant crane with you know the bird with wings and <laughs> so you can't do that <laughs> basically this is like who do we see during the episodes but there, but there's a little bit of a distinction here like what would be the perfect crew in a non-tv show like and what would be the perfect crew to see in a TV show that's kind of more entertaining? I'll let you decide which like path you want to go down. I kind of went down, if this was a TV show, who would I want to see like every day mm-hmm. at the bridge meetings and in the ready or, or the, uh, yeah, the ready room and like who the main bridge staff is. Who's, who, who's in the credits at the start? Okay. So with that being said, uh, go ahead and kick off. I'm excited to hear what you have. All right. I like these rules because constraint breeds creativity and then just one more thing, too, that I want to complain about is that the bridge crews are very human, we get to see, right? Um, it's like 90% human and like one other person who's like an alien. And we can kind of get that because, you know, like budget constraints. So if we're going to have like 40 aliens on the bridge crew, that's a lot of time putting people in makeup. So it's fun to kind of think about more um more diverse quote unquote diverse uh bridge crews absolutely uh and that reminds me also i was looking at the animated star trek series that was on in like the mid 70s for i don't know like 20 episodes Mm -hmm. um and i watched a couple clips of them and i think we should seriously consider like looking at them because i i enjoyed the clips that i was watching but when i was watching it it made me think that i think star trek could be a, a the perfect candidate for an animated series, like an adult kind of style animated series. Well, you know they have that lower decks. No, that doesn't count. What? I mean, like I mean, like a real Star Trek show. Oh, that's like, not like a comedy. You know? Yeah. Think... No, you're right. You're right. Star Trek is a little bit better in the animated realm, just because you can drawing a alien humanoid cost the same as drawing just a regular human mm-hmm. versus in live action putting a human just a regular human on screen is a lot cheaper than putting an alien up there and it's a little bit better now like in discovery since cgi is cheaper so you see a lot more of those aliens and stuff but one of the things i like about lower deck is you do see a lot more aliens and there's a lot more non-humans in the show so uh, we got to talk about Lower Decks sometime or maybe do like a season review. I enjoyed it. But yeah, that's the cool thing about doing animation. Yeah, I got in, in to get inspired to uh, to talk about this today. I downloaded Star Trek online and um, played it for three minutes before I was <laughs> like, eh, this game's not for me. We, we will talk about our bridge crews eventually here, but um I spent about 45 minutes in the character creator uh, because it's really good. 
Like oh, it's awesome. really really good. It's yeah. it's so much fun, and they have basically every race on there. But like you can pick just alien race and come up with your own backstory. Oh, cool! Um, and it's very dynamic. I had a ton of fun making my own character. Not a ton of fun playing the game, which oh. was un- kind of unfortunate. And talking about the original cartoon, I do have a character or a race from that one on my bridge crew. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll probably allow it. We'll see. They're, they're a reoccurring character. So, all right. So you're oh, ready oh, to... oh, but hold on. I wasn't done with my Star Trek online thing that I wanted to say, which was just that as I was downloading it, there was like an in-game advertisement to purchase things from the in-game market. And it was called Mud's Market. Oh, nice. Spelt with one D. And you know, oh, like what? how this, how this show has like made me just like a pedantic nerd because in my yeah. head I was like, Ugh. I don't think no, it's two D's. It is two D's. Uh, when you said that, I'm like, "What? <laughs> this is outrageous." <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and jump into this. Okay, all right. So first off is my captain, and for captain, my captain, I chose a Vulcan. Okay, I thought about doing a Vulcan. Tell me why you chose a Vulcan. You know, they're just smart. Um, they're cool under pressure. They're pretty strong, and I don't. They just good decision makers i think so and they can be a little sassy as we've seen from spock so i think they're just i don't know good space elves why not make them captain not not many flaws there yeah i think they're good okay but okay this brings me to um a question i have about how starfleet is set up because the majority of captains that i've seen are humans and mm-hmm. i don't and i and i don't know if that's less about like uh, like a, a, a racial thing like well humans just have more opportunities and are more privileged and more of them become captains or if it's more like starfleet as like the starfleet that we hang out with is human ships like it's mm-hmm. not like the un where like just the all the countries own it or whatever it's like we hang out on human ships um there are also vulcan ships with vulcan captains and uh, and Andorian ships with Andorian captains, but we chill with. So, is your ship like a Vulcan ship? Um, I think it's a it's a Starfleet ship, and I think you're right. I think ships tend to be kind of grouped by races, and it makes sense to kind of do that since people are of different species. Like species have similar needs, right? And probably to like have different preferred environments. So it makes sense to like group a bunch of the same species on the same ship there's an episode in ds9 where you meet one of cisco's rivals and he's a vulcan and he's commanding a mostly vulcan ship so i don't know it is uh, starfleet is weird i think there are a lot of ships that are very homogeneous and then more ships that are more racially diverse which again would probably happen if there if the budget was if, if the episodes had like a bigger budget, like let's throw budget out the window and just assume like in this world that Gene Roddenberry has lovingly crafted for us, it would probably be a lot more heterogeneous. Like everybody would be pretty different on the on the bridge and the crew because there's so many aliens out there and yeah. humans are just one species out of them all. Yeah, and I mean I'm currently still you know keeping up with Discovery. Discovery does a really good job of showing the diversity. Of Starfleet and that crew. So spoiler alert, but it's not that big a spoiler. Saru, who's a non-human, he's a Kelpian. He's in charge of, of the Discovery, but still, like you still see like a good chunk of humans and other races on there. So it's not like he's all Kelpian. 
Plus, Kelpians aren't a part of the Federation. He's like a weird refugee case. So it would. So getting back to the topic, my crew wouldn't be a mostly Vulcan crew. It would okay. Be a, a, a more diverse crew than that. But yeah, I think a Vulcan would make a good captain, especially if it was Spock. I think uh, Spock's IP has been played out pretty well enough over the last 50 years. I think we mm-hmm. can put Spock to bed. <laughs> there yeah, are yeah. other Vulcans out there to enjoy and love. <laughs> just, a, just a cool, chill Vulcan. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think a, a Vulcan would be a fantastic choice. You know, steady, steadies the ship. Yeah. All right, what else you got? All right, so first officer, this is a bit different, but I, w- I chose a Ferengi. Okay, I thought a Ferengi would be thrown in here somewhere. Yeah, because you know I like Ferengis. It would be a non-jerk Ferengi, because we do have, since DS9, we do have a Ferengi or two in Starfleet, or at least one. So I think one, like, he's a good counterbalance to the Vulcan. And they, I think they think in a different way and operate in a different space where he could maybe, like, if he's talking to some alien culture or something like that, he would be more flexible or be able to operate on a different thought plane than a Vulcan. Okay. So I I think it's a good, like, one, like, diversity perspectives. And two, Ferengi are really good at, like, working the system, as we saw in one DS9 episode. So he would, like, be able to, like, negotiate, like, good perks for the crew or, like, the best shore leave or that sort of thing. But he would help the ship kind of, like procure what it needs no i think that that's really cool uh i was actually thinking along the same lines if i was going to have a ferengi i decided to not have a ferengi on my ship but i was thinking like it would be kind of the person that go on negotiation missions or you know any kind of a social interaction with another species or race um and would kind of be the front for that because opposed to a lot of other humanoid races humanoid species the uh the ferengi have like definite qualities that you'll see I think the Vulcans and the Ferengi are most like that, right? Where like, like oh, Vol- and Romulans, like oh, they're just like that, you know. For a lot of them, they just seem like humans, right? Like the like the blue guys with like the lines, the Bolarians down their face, you know those guys. The Bolians, right? Bullions. Yeah, like they just act like humans, right? Betazoids just act like humans, but I think mm. that Ferengi have like a, and uh, I'm 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 like that you said they're flexible because I was looking at. Another way to get inspiration, I was looking at the Star Trek Adventures tabletop role-playing game because I wanted uh to see what some of the the traits were. I was disappointed about... Wait, it's not called Star Trek Adventures, is it? Yes, it is. The role-playing game. When I downloaded Star Trek Online, I wanted to see like what some of the racial like bonuses and uh, attributes were for each race, but they didn't have them. They're all... It's just... Race is just cosmetic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just like in the real world. Um, Now, they do use the word species instead of race. Uh, yeah, I don't. I use them interchangeably, and I probably shouldn't. But I think it like it works if you're taking like a Nausicaan, like has plus one strength. Like that just makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like humans mm-hmm. have plus one diplomacy. Um, but for Ferengi, they have their special talents are flexible morality, yeah. <laughs> hoarding impulse, and seek advantage. So those are all fantastic things for a second second officer to have. So, like I said, yeah, they have a more flexible mindset. And would be a good counterbalance to Vulcans, who I think can be very rigid. I like it. You got good cop, bad cop, hot and cold, sweet and sour. What's next? Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll go security first. So for a security officer, I kind of forgot that security and tactics are different, but I did slot someone in for tactics. 
But for security, I had an elastomorph. Okay, let's do, look that do up. You remember what that is? I have no idea. Let's see if it's in my <laughs> uh, list of RPG characters. I'm I'm just gonna tell you. There's this episode where they have to transport a dignitary, like a princess, basically, from this planet that's like very hazardous, and it's the one where Crush, uh, Wesley Crusher has his first crush on the woman on this kind of girl that's his own age and then you find out that they're shapeshifters right okay here's the thing that's not showing up at all in my rpg list so i i'm gonna have to say no i'm sorry clint what there are listen listen there are 143 aliens on this list each with their own discrete pdf describing their racial traits and attributes your elastomorph did not make this listen the the Pondranians are on here. I don't even know who they are. They're number 96. Hey, that's that's what you get for giving me that's these true. restrictions that's after <laughs> I made my list. So, But do you know what I'm talking about, Corey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember her. Like the short lady that could turn into a monster. Yeah. So it, it's it's all the benefits of um, having a um, an Odo on your team. Except they don't, it doesn't seem like they have any drawbacks where Odo had to like regenerate every like two days or something like that. So they just, it's all benefits. No. How do you spell this? Because I need to find out if they're in the Federation or not. And if they're not in the Federation, tough luck. A L L A S O M O R P H. Okay, fuck it. Whatever. I'm not yeah. writing that. I'm not typing that. <laughs> they're in the Federation. Okay. I'm pretty sure they're in the Federation. Yeah. No, it makes sense. But what were you saying? It's like Odo, but what are some of the other advantages? Well, I mean, one, she seemed smarter. The Like the guardian chick, the old lady. They didn't seem to have any flaws. Like they didn't seem like oh, they dude. had to rest or anything like that. They could just turn into whatever they want. And she seemed pretty smart and on the ball and well socialized. So why not just have a thing that can shapeshift into a Tarkasian razor beast and fuck up whoever you need? Do you remember from that episode where she goes into engineering, the camera is up with Jordy. He's like a, like a second tier up, like working on mm -hmm. something. And she walks in and she's like, what are you doing up there? Um, and he's like, I'm just repairing some stuff. And she's like, you're going to do it wrong and destroy the ship. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, uh, there's a long take where she strolls over to like, she like gets away from Worf. Who's like, man, come with me. And she like gets away from him. She walks over to the elevator and, and she presses the button on the elevator and the camera just follows her as she slowly <laughs> ascends to the second level while she's just dead eye staring at Jordy the entire time. It is great. I, I, I love that scene. I don't remember. I, it's been a while since I've seen that episode. Oh, it's like a it's like a silent 30 second <laughs> elevator ride that she's just staring at Jordy as she comes up to the second level of engineering. She, and that's just her like establishing her authority that no one's going to fuck with her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's what I do for security. Okay, so you were talking about security, um, and I wanted to say, like, it's obvious what security does, mm -hmm. right? Like, security takes over the security of the ship. But something that's kind of interesting about security is that, like, I was reading a little bit about that position yesterday, and Worf is the head of security, mm -hmm. right? And before that, Tasha Yar yeah. was. But he's also in charge of tactics. Wasn't he tactics officer and then he became security? Or I kind of forget how it works. Yeah. yeah. But he still kind of does both jobs, oh, okay. right? That makes like, sense. He's, he's, he, they're still like, Worf, will you escort this person to you know their quarters or whatever? Well, and you don't see anyone else put on tactics. And I don't, mm -mm. I mean, they might have put someone else on it and they just never talk about it. So security to tactics was like an 
upgrade for him. Uh-huh. For like DS9, obviously like Odo, it's it's its own discrete position, right? Because he has to like manage a, a whole uh, star base and he's like a police force. Plus Odo is a civilian and it's not a Starfleet because they add in a Starfleet security officer later in the show. So I was thinking like either you don't really need a security officer because everyone's so well behaved in Starfleet. I doubt it because mm-hmm. these are just people. Or you really need a security officer and that needs to be its own discrete position. And you shouldn't have like the person that fires the weapons also has to double as the person that, you know, takes people to the brig mm-hmm. or, you know, gets a group together to fight uh, like an onboarding threat. Yeah, but I feel like for a Starfleet security officer, you're doing less policing of your own personnel and more worrying about more external threats. Mm-hmm. And we'll come to that on my bridge crew. So, oh, and but the last thing I want to say with the security officer is I was thinking like thinking back to Odo, uh, like Odo has his own office. And it got me to thinking about the TNG staff where like who has an office on the TNG bridge? Yeah, only Picard. And Crusher. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she has her own office in the med bay. And uh, oh, yeah, she has her own office where she meets people, but it's not on the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, someone else has an office, don't they? I mean, yeah, Crusher has an office. A lot of people's offices, though, are like also their quarters, which is kind of fucked up, right? Like yeah. you, you have to take that shit home with you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think that the starship is big enough where like it's kind of weird that like Riker doesn't have his own little office off to the side because you know what that guy does? His main job when he's not taking like people on away missions is doing crew reports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's always like belly aching about it. Yeah, well, that's like the first officer's responsibility is like managing the crew and kind of being like the crew liaison almost. And it seems to me you would need a couple filing cabinets to do that. Yeah, he's all he's always doing like crew evaluations, right? With Troy all the time. They talk about it like all the time. Oh, we're going to do our evaluations. Oh, you mind if we hold off on doing the evaluations? So yeah, it'd be nice if he had his own little space to do that anyway let's get you back on track here what so that was your security your morph morph bullshitian okay you're not gonna like this but for tactics and this is kind of an afterthought but i had a gorn the lizard people yeah okay (laughs) that's it we're done we're done no no you're you already used you're done so next for my science officer i'm gonna have a binar or two binar do you remember the binars? Okay, let's look this one up. Do you remember the TNG episode with Minuet? Oh, don't worry. They are on the RPG list. So they have their own discrete PDF with racial traits and attributes. Okay, they're little pink raisins. The binar race, they're like a race of almost cyborgs where they're enhanced to be able to interface with computers better. But there's also, they need to exist in pairs of two. So they're basically, and they're paired together like through cybernetics. So they're really smart. They're really good with computers and they can like interface with computers really quickly and also like think and stuff very quickly. They don't seem like they're the best, most creative people, but they, they seem to be able to like crunch data pretty fast. Oh no, for sure. I think you would have to have two of them. So that's what I thought would be fun for a science. You have to have two of them Yeah, because it says here on this PDF that when you, don't have your other pair you are compulsively driven to aid others oh wait never mind i thought they just die never mind oh okay well i still think you need to have a pair of them to function the best 
So it's a little inefficient, but I think they would work well. Now, I do remember watching the episode with the Bynar where they like talk at the same time or like they finish each other's um, sentences. Mm -hmm. And that might get a little aggravating after a while. I mean, they would be annoying, right? Probably. But you have a Vulcan captain. He would be able to deal with it. Okay, the this sheet says that they are physically robust and durable, so they can also like do some cool like judo moves or like kickflip off of each other and spin each other like around in a circle and use each other as like you know inertia uh, devices. That's cool. I didn't. I never heard about that because they look very weak and fragile and small. But it would make sense that they have some sort of like physical enhancements. And sometimes your uh, science officer has to throw down. So um, I think they're a good choice. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, I think that'd be cool. That's that's interesting. That's unique. All right. So you probably won't like this either. But for chief engineer, I have A, the Traveler. So do you remember the Traveler that Wesley Crusher met? It was one of the early episodes. But there's this guy. He's like this engineer. He's like, oh, we're going to tune up your warp drive. And it's going to work better than it's ever worked before. And then it turned out that he wasn't the person who did it. But it was this weird alien guy that they call the Traveler. And he's able to, like, interface with the warp engines. And he, he like, made them travel so fast that they actually traveled to another galaxy. Farther than anyone's ever been before. So I thought they would make good warp engineers. Because they, uh, they have some intuitive interactions with warp drives and warp technology. They are not a Federation race. But we could say that one wandered into the Federation and I guess became a chief. Yeah, engineer. Clint, we can say whatever the fuck we yeah, want. Right? Okay, let's do your let's do your uh, your helmsman. Is it a Q member? No, so my Jesus Christ, <laughs> you give me the most overpowered crew ever. For me, I'm like, oh, I think I want to have a trill on board because they're really smart and dedicated and stuff. But you're giving me some like metaphysics. What about the hey? Why don't why don't you make your medical officer that one guy that from TNG that like glows really like white and he can heal everybody around him i was actually considering that jeez <laughs> i just wanted to do this some... is not at all in the spirit of where i wanted this podcast to go yeah oh man you're gonna you're gonna hate some of my other ones um <laughs> you asked about my helms officer though uh do you want to know what my helms officer is please it's an endosian all right let's go to the rpg list and see if this the, this one's on there he's originally from the tos animated series they have three arms and three legs. So I think that third arm would really help them work the controls of the of the helm. Does their third arm like come out of their groin no. so he can like steer the ship with his <laughs> That I think that would be awesome. Uh but no, it just boring comes out of his chest. Oh. Well, that's good. Lots of reaction time. Yeah. But he's appeared in the original series, and then they also had appearance of of one on uh the lower decks. So they're an established federation race. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're not on my list, so I can't tell you what their uh, plus ones are, too. But Plus one arm is what, what they have. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> you're going to hate my chief medical officer. It's It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, hold on. Let me just say let me just say this really quick. My my secret plan at the well after we ended revealing like our our crews is I was gonna have us do a mock battle against each other, but you've just layered <laughs> you've stacked some bullshit on your crew and I don't think I can do anything about it. But go ahead. Who's your chief medical officer? It's a Borg. <laughs> it's Hugh. 
I knew it. I knew I knew you were going to have a Borg in here somewhere. Yeah. Is it okay, is it a Borg who's like a part of the hive still or is it like 7 of 9? It's a I mean it's not an evil Borg. It's like a Borg that's been liberated from the collective, but they still all have their shit on them and all their like prosthetics and stuff. Cuz I would think that they could have a special arm that's really good for like doing surgery, right? <laughs> that comes out of their chest. <laughs> no, I would just think they have like one arm that's regular and then another arm that has like a scalpel and like a medical tricorder and like medical lasers and all that sort of things. And then they can like inject nano nanoprobes into into you to like fight diseases or cancer or something like that. In Voyager, they adapted Borg nanoprobes for medical use. That's what the doctor oh, yeah. in seven of and yeah the 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 bedside you know manner is just fantastic because if Star Trek First Contact taught me anything it's that laying on an operation table with a gigantic Borg with like a razor spit like like as it just stares dead eye at you is very comforting before you drift off into unconsciousness yeah they get minus points for bedside manner but Hugh was pretty charming I I don't think he would be that bad once he gets you know once he spends a couple years getting acclimated to it so for my last crew member for my counselor i decided to choose a prophet or a wormhole alien from ds9 you know i'm talking about core no (laughs) so the prophets right they they're non-corporeal entities and they're also non they don't live in linear time so whenever cisco would go to like talk to them you go and then like hallucinate like scenes from your life And they kind of, like, give you, like, very cryptic clues and, like, questions and stuff to, like, help you along the way. So I thought it would be fun for, you know, when when you go into your counseling session, you, like, go into their office and then you just start, like, hallucinating. And they give you just, like, these weird, like I said, these weird clues and, like, very vague things. And then you're walking out of your your counseling session you're just like, what the heck was that? And then, like, later on, like, what they tell you starts to make sense. And then you're like, oh, my God, this is all about my dead mother. And then you'd have some sort of breakthrough that you'd have to work through yourself. So it makes it, like, more meaningful. Just kind of, you know, give you some breadcrumbs. And then you'd have to think about it and just go through this kind of mind F all day until you figure it out. And then I think that would lead to some sort of, like, emotional breakthrough. So that's why I have a wormhole alien prophet which is basically kind of like a god as my counselor so yeah (laughs) okay so you want like a gas cloud that's the oracle of delphi just chilling in like a hookah like a dark hookah lounge and then you go in there and you just kind of get like like mind raked and (laughs) then you come out and then things start to pop into place much in the way someone would like operate with a horoscope or or like oh my gosh i am having troubled feelings exactly so true Mm -hmm. okay okay can can this can this space ghost like wear a uniform (laughs) i don't think so okay they're out (laughs) they're out out. so far i just okay i just want to say this no it's my turn to talk no this one thing starfleet you don't see a lot of non-corporeal beams beings in starfleet so i'm just trying to i'm just trying to change this Right? Like, when are we going to let non-corporeal beings serve in Starfleet? Okay, I'll let you lead that fight. Yeah. But here's where we stand. I have banned 
every single person on your crew except for your Ferengi second in command and your Vulcan captain. I gave you the the, the keys to the car and you decided to fucking Ferris Bueller's day off like your the entire experience here. You use your powers irresponsibly. You don't get no one on your bridge crew. A space ghost is a counselor. You have a Borg. Okay, can I go now? I just want to say I miss Emily. <laughs> <laughs> This is the most upset I've been for the past month. <laughs> All right, it's your turn. Okay, so I took things in a little bit different. So assume if I don't fill in a position, then it's just a human yeah. because, like, it's a human ship. Like, for example, I don't know who my captain is. I don't care. It's a human. They have a personality. They have interesting quirks okay. to make their ship run. <laughs> I'm talking about improving the ship to make it run better and so so here's the first thing that i'm going to say yeah let's talk about helmsman and or helms person helms cons cons and helms they they mean the same thing yeah and then so does navigation i guess like navigation can help chart like like their job is to chart where you're going and like they look at like uh the speeds the ship's velocity in relation to other objects i'm just going to lump that all together because i think they don't really make that distinction too much in TNG or TOS. Um, so my con officer, my helms person, which you'll be, you'll see like Mayweather, Sulu, uh, Wesley Crusher. That is the ship. Okay. That is the ship. So I was thinking who best to instantly respond to commands when it comes to like to getting the ship where it needs to go, either in like the heat of battle with like micro movements or just plotting a course and doing it. I don't know why the ship couldn't do it better than like a, a, a highly trained Starfleet graduate because like th- there's the imperfections that can always come up from like a helmsman. Even if you're really good, you could be tired or whatever. Uh, you can still make mistakes. The ship's never, ever, ever going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I imagine it's this, it's like a, like a hologram, like oh, interesting. Yeah. Voyager. Uh-huh. Uh, who's like shape-shifting and like maybe it's like whoever the it'll change every week so it could be like a celebrity comes on the show right like (laughs) david cross is you know it's here today Uh or whatever but it changes and maybe i don't know maybe there's some storylines about it like not having such like a critical role on the ship and always being on the bridge but like not knowing what its personality should be and so it's always kind of experimenting and playing around with it but i think it would absolutely be the best pilot and it would be perfect in in uh plotting courses and um, it follows orders perfectly. So they talk about this too. There's an episode I forget where they talk about handing over navigation to the computer, and I think they admit that like the computer can do better at making all the micro adjustments and all that sort of thing. But they just don't feel comfortable handing your ship over to a computer instead of having a human in control of that. So I think that's a very valid point, Corey. And I support you in your selection, even though. It's a little bit off the wall and creative, so. I mean, the the big disadvantage. Wow, thank you. I, <laughs> I'm I'm like on guard right now. Um, the big problem is like, what if the power to the ship gets cut or like the 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 computer f- fails to function, which quite often happens. Um, but it's weird though because like, if the computer fails, then like you can't input the controls anyway, so you're still just you know like. R- right. Right. 
but like how many episodes will like something happen where somebody seizes control of the computer right and now like the helmsman is the computer and just you know like is compromised so a couple times my thing is that if the ship loses power or uh the ship gets taken over like the security codes change there is a dead man switch that the computer has where it just rams into the most into the closest object or like the the perceived threat object and i think you could have a lot of fun with that where like the people on the crew know that like this thing is going to happen if like they lose power so they are motivated i guess to not lose power but also if anyone's going to be attacking the ship they can just say like hey if you attack us and you cut our power off we we will just be ramming you uh and we, we will both die in this and we have tried to turn this off but the, the computer won't let us so okay so that's my helmsman that's navigation next up okay this is my second in command but much like how Worf is kind of grouped into two jobs and Data, let me talk about Data real quick. Data is like two jobs because he's, do you know what his standard job is? Like what he's supposed to do? I mean, I see him on the helm a lot. So I think so, Helmsman and then Jordy's best friend because he does a lot of like <laughs> engineering projects with Jordy. Yeah, no, in Measure of a Man, when he's showing off his awards, one of them just says Jordy's best friend yeah. right on the cover. Uh, no, so he does operations, and I had to go deep into a Reddit thread to find out what the difference between, like, what operations did. So he doesn't drive the ship. He, uh, he like, runs, he basically, like, decides where the power of the ship goes. Like, engineering just makes sure that the ship goes, but he decides, like, where to reroute power. Oh, interesting. Like, give, a give like, operations, right? Like, give access to uh, resources on the ship. Like, if you want to use the shuttle bay, the operations manager runs that. But what he, what he mostly does is he's, like, the science officer, because... The original Star Trek ship has a science officer that's Spock. Yeah, mm -hmm. TNG doesn't really have that. Like Geordi is and and Data are both kind of science officers, um, just because they're really smart. But there's no like hard science officer. So anyway, I have I have decided to make my second in command the security officer. Okay, and let me explain why. So they are they are already doing things with the personnel anyway, mm -hmm. uh, with with like running the ship. And if it was like. I imagine it like a like a the blue guys are the Andorians, right? With like the the antennae, right? The antennae, yeah. yeah. I I was reading about them, and I guess they're like pretty aggressive. Like they can be kind of scary sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I would want like a fucking yoked Andorian because we only <laughs> see them ever as like sinewy and skinny. Yeah, they're kind of small. Just fucking huge. But his job or her job is to like do the crew manifestos and, and you know crew reports and whatnot, take over the ship if, if needs to be. But this is like a serious person who's like no bullshit. Uh, um, and also, so their other job is to like run away missions like Riker would. Mm-hmm. But it's much more formal. It's more like I have my away mission crew that's not a bridge crew. I have like a science person and I have like a medical person. They are not the bridge crew though. They are they're they are my away mission people. Like we're like a crack team of commandos, sort of. Riker Force One. Exactly. <laughs> Program execute Riker strategy three A. <laughs> Gamma team. Assemble. <laughs> yeah, like they just wake up in their bunks and they just like mechanically with clockwork precision just sprint down the aisle towards the teleporter okay so that's my second command also my security officer okay again dorian cool i have three more okay and again let's assume everyone else is a human these three are things that do not currently exist on the bridge okay so these are new positions these are new positions okay okay the first one is 
I wanted to have someone on the ship that was kind of like a, like an observer, but who's like retired, right? Like they have done it all. Maybe they were an admiral. Maybe they were like a trill who's had like 20 hosts. I really like the, uh, the interaction that like, what's, what's the trill's name in DS9? Jadzia. Jadzia has with, uh, Cisco because like she's done it all or it's done it all. Um, and like it always has advice that's kind of, you know, kind of like Guinan, maybe like not solicited, um, when it needs to not be solicited, right? Like, like it's like you need to do this right now. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of like that idea. Just someone who's always on the bridge, who's like maybe like old and kind of grizzled and is like checked out most of the time, but it's just kind of like a font of like experience and advice for whatever young captain there is. That's cool. Yeah. So like an advisor, basically. Yeah. Like, but I was thinking more like Ed McMahon or um, Andy Richter. You know, like kind of like a side person <laughs> that doesn't really do too much. And maybe, may, maybe the best one would be Uncle Eero from Avatar. Right. Oh, like, okay. Uh-huh. Kind of just maybe like a little bit of a perv or like just is eating all the time and like kind of seems uninterested most of the time. But like when, you know, shit gets serious, they're like dropping some like Sun Tzu, like war phrases or whatever. Or they know some techno babble to like get the ship going in a pinch or something. Yeah. Like in that episode where, um, Jordy, they find Scotty and Jordy and Scotty are working together Yeah, and like Jordy's just frustrated with him the entire time. But then Scotty has like some, you know, really cool little nugs for him to, to use to save the ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Okay, next up, and I'm very excited about this one, is, so there's no reason to go into the liberal arts if you are in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> so this next person is everyone's, like, English major's dream. It's a librarian. Okay. So you you have an, a librarian, and this is the person that sits to the left of the captain. Okay. Right? Like, this is this probably the third most important person on the bridge is the librarian. So what does the librarian do? You go ahead and ask me that. What, what does this librarian do, Corey? Okay, so they're the ones that are in charge of knowing, like, if, if you're going to go on, like, a diplomatic trade mission or you're going to be hosting a delegation, they are the ones that are, like, on Wikipedia, basically, like, getting just, like, cramming for, you know, all of the procedures and diplomatic protocols. Because in TNG, that kind of falls on Picard to, like, rush to his ready room and do a bunch of homework. You know, mm-hmm. like, I got to learn the entire law system of this planet. Well, and, like, Counselor Troy, I've seen her help out Picard nail some pronunciation that he needs to get right and that sort of thing. So he does get support. But I, yeah, yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. Keep going. Like an absolute savant in terms of like the history of the Federation and, and, you know, kind of data is like, oh, these are all the protocols that we have. Like this person like knows so much about like the religion and politics and, and relationships. Um, and they're really good at just researching things really fast, getting a report ready to the crew, to the leaders. Yeah, or maybe, like, picking up on those, like, patterns when you meet, like, an incomprehensible alien race, like that race of people who only talked in metaphors, you know, the Dalmak and Jalad people. Exactly, yeah. And they'd be like, oh my god, these seem like they're speaking in metaphors and might be able to break that down even faster. And also, they're just archiving everything, taking pictures, assembling all the information from their emissions, and, like kind of taking the pressure off of the captain or whoever to like write the reports uh, of oh, everything okay. that happens. Mm-hmm. Cool. I would see that. Yeah. Sort of like librarian skill set would be very valuable on a starship of, of knowing how to access information and collect it and structure it. 
So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because what happens often in TNG that I see is that like they, the computer knows the answer to the question, right? But yeah. they don't know what the question is, mm-hmm. right? They, like they don't know how to phrase the question. They don't know like their Google foo isn't very strong. Mm-hmm. So okay. And here's my last one, and this is the one that I'm most excited about. Oh, the librarian's race. I don't know. Let's would be a good librarian race. Bullion, maybe. <laughs> Thir- it says here on their uh, discrete PDF that they are gregarious. So ah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here's the last one. So what you don't see on the bridge is like everyone's doing their job all the time. And, you know, things are like hustling and bustling. You don't see that repairman who is like working, like, you know, like his butt cracks kind of out yeah. a little bit. Or he's like, like spread eagle, like <laughs> under the con, like trying to like, like with a wrench, just like trying to fix things. Uh-huh. Or like squeegeeing the view screen. <laughs> and this would be like a lovable, like a, a non-commissioned officer. He might even be a civilian for all I know. Uh-huh. He is the face of engineering, and this is the only human that's on the ship. Not on the ship. The only human, really, that you'd probably... Well, that's not true, because I said everyone else was... Yeah, human. you said the captain anyway, was he's human. he's a human. He's a human. <laughs> um, but I imagine him looking kind of like Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, yeah. right? Just just kind of like really, really blue color. Yeah. Like what all of the crew members are in, uh, <clears throat> like in TOS, right? But... This guy is always just in the background, uh, and he's like always work like he's always working a wrench on something, mm-hmm. and he's also the source of a lot of conflict. Not that he like directly does it, but like he's the one that finds like a breach in a Jeffrey's tube, and he has to like, Ugh, looks like we got another one, and he you know like he'll accidentally get captured. Uh, and he'll they'll have to go like rescue him like he's just the source like he's because he's everywhere on the ship uh-huh. um, he's he's kind of like the, the meat and potatoes kind of guy mm-hmm. we need to see more of that kind of people too because like shit on the bridge is constantly exploding in sparks so you got to replace all that crap and so I mean if you were just watching the bridge twenty four seven you'd probably see a lot of those like repair people so yeah it'd be cool to see like a face to that kind of like invisible force that you see a lot. Yeah, and I think, like, over time, you know, there'd be that scene where they are, like, they're having tense negotiations over the viewfinder, and, like, this guy is just, like, working, like, a socket wrench in the back, um, and, like, the, the negotiations turns to a standstill, and it, it's, like, about to become violent, and the captain just turns to the repairman and, and is like, crew member, what do you suggest? And, like, all eyes are on him, and he's like, how about we all have a beer and talk about it? And everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> I like it. So, anyway... That's that's my group of people. Well, that yeah, that was a blast. Anything else you want to bring up? Yes. In First Contact, when the Vulcans show up after like Zephyr and Cockrum is riding around the solar system on his very first Phoenix flight, like it's a scout ship mm-hmm. that shows up. It's not like, and they just like happened by. It was like a, a, a coincidence. And they just decide to go down and establish first contact. And I think that that is a super illogical thing for them to do. That just breaks the prime directive in so many ways. Well, of course, the prime directive wasn't around back then. And I think I think they talk about how odd it was for the Vulcans to do that. I think they were just very, like, intrigued by these humans who now, you know, have warp capability. And so they're like, hey, let's check that out. But yeah, it is very unlike Vulcans to, to kind of go down and, and do that meeting. Maybe sometime we'll talk about first contact and all the stuff that involved that. Yeah. Oh, I would love that. Cool. Well, that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed our little discussion. 
Until we see you next, keep on trekking.